0: Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer, so if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there you can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership so it's everything you want in just one podcast download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started i did what are you waiting for hey guys welcome back to just a girl true crime i'm your host heaven so sorry it's been a rough like couple weeks why i haven't uploaded and I've been really digging into the case that I said I was going to talk to you guys about and it actually is going to be a part one of part two. If you do remember from the end of the episode when I said we'd be what we'd be doing after the Skylar Niece case, we are doing the murder of Lacey Peterson and her unborn son Connor. I've been researching this case like there's no tomorrow. I watched the Hulu series and everything like that just to get like a good overview i've been watching interviews of scott and just trying to get everything i could find on it so this is going to be the first part and then i'm actually not going to have my kids tomorrow they're actually going to their grandma's so i'm going to upload part two tomorrow so let's hop right into it like i said we are doing the lacey peterson case and a lot to unpack in this first case so let's get right to it and strap in guys cuz this one is going to be a tough one Ah, it's just crazy alright so before we start I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of the Lacey Peterson case people who don't know true crime I'm pretty sure you've heard of it just like if you don't know true crime You've heard of Casey Anthony, most people. I had a friend who listened to my who listens to my podcast, and she was just like, "Who's Casey Anthony?" And I'm like, girl, just wait." But we already covered Casey Anthony. She's a monster. All right, so Lacey Denise Rosha was her maiden name was born on May four. May 4th in 1975 in Modesto, California. Her father's name was Dennis Rocha, and her mom's name was Sharon Rocha. I hope I'm pronouncing their last name right. I'm pronouncing it how it's spelled and how it sounds like to me, but I'm not sure. You guys know I'm terrible with last names, terrible with words I don't know and I'm not familiar with of big words, so... Lacey's parents did stay married to each other for, like, I guess a while. I couldn't find how long they were married for. But they eventually got divorced, and they both remarried. And her stepfather's name was Ron Grantsky, And her stepmom's name was Mo- Rose Marie Rocha. Okay? Um, Lacey also, from her parents remarrying... They also had a stepsister and I believe a half-brother. I put her brothers and sisters because I don't like saying half and steps. But the siblings were named Brett Rocha and Amy Rocha. Lacey worked as a substitute teacher. Going back just a tiny bit into Lacey's high school um, years a little bit, she went to high school at Thomas. Downey High School. Her journey, her junior year, she was a cheerleader, but after she graduated high school, Lacey then decided to attend California Polytechnic, Poly, I think it's that, Technic, Technique? No, it's not technique. Polytechnic, something, Polytechnic, Technic, Polytechnic, we're going to go with that. State University where she majored in ornamental horticulture? I think that's how you pronounce that. Like I said, not good with the big names. So while she went to California State University, Lacey would actually sometimes visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in the Morrow Bay Called the Pacific Calf Pacific Cafe I don't know why I said Calf like that Like I'm talking about like a baby cow No, cafe heaven There And that is where she had met her best friend One of her best friend's Co-workers And can anybody guess By the show of the hands Can anybody guess who she met? I'll give you a little bit to think about it. That's right, guys. That is where she met the one and only Scott Peterson. Now, before I go any further into, um, you know, like how they met and stuff, I actually am going to get inside the lives of the murderer's past and family, you know, like I always do. And that's where we're actually going to go right now We're actually going to go into Scott's life Boy Alright So like I said we're going to shift from Lacey to Scott And that is where we're going So Scott Peterson was born Sorry if you heard that, that was my ice maker (laughs) So Scott Peterson was born on October 24th in 1972 in San Diego, California his father was a businessman and his mother ran a boutique. His parents had six children from their previous relationships and Scott was actually the only child that his mom and his mom and his dad shared together. That's a lot of fucking kids. I mean ooh. Hey, you know, everybody has their own. Y'all do you. Scott was oh, I'm sorry just for that. His father stayed in a two-bedroom house in La Jolla. At an early age, he played golf with his father. His love for the game of golf eventually grew, and by the age of 14, he actually could beat his father at golf. How exciting. Scott went to the University of San Diego High School, where he was recognized in the school for his golfing skills. I mean, okay, I didn't think that was a thing. But hey, you never know. It was, you know, 1972. That's when he was born. That's not right. You know, it was the early, so who knows? Through a partial golf scholarship, because that is a thing, didn't know that either, he got an admission to join Arizona State University. He then eventually later dropped out of the university after he actually was kicked off of the university golf team due to indecent behavior. Okay, so you know, okay, that that's a little weird, right? But hey, he then joined a college Kesta he joined Kesta College in California before he then joined the California Polytech State University, the one that Lacey went to. One of his lecturers described him as a modeled student. After a few years of marriage, he went back, when he got married to Lacey, after a few years, he actually went back to school to finish his senior year in the university he then, later gra- he then later graduated with a degree in a- agriculture business in 1998. Okay, so now we're going back to the cafe, all right? And this is where Lacey walked in. She met her co-worker's friend, and Lacey was like to her friend, Hey, come here. Um, listen... That guy you work with, can you know, just slip him my number because I really think he's cute. Alright. So, the friend being any good friend that she did, she was like, yeah, he's, she was probably, yeah, you know, he's a really great person. I'll, I'll, of course I'll give you his number, Lacey. Like, that's what best friends do. Friends, best friends, something. Girl code, okay? We'll just do it. All right. Immediately after she met Scott, she ended up telling her mom that this was the man she was going to marry. She just knew. Bam. I mean, good for you, Lacey. You thinking that he's the one. I, that's awesome. I wish I thought like that, but if I said, uh, you know, of all the past relationships I've had, if, like um a person who I won't mention who I'm very close with, who they said, you know, they dated somebody and they're like, you know, I think this is person's the one. And I'm like, mm, you say that about everyone, but okay. Huh. Scott eventually called Lacey and actually the two began dating. Their first date was a deep sea fishing trip on which Lacey eventually, not eventually, she unfortunately got seasick, which I mean, awesome first date first off that's awesome. As Lacey's relationship with Scott became more serious, he decided to put his aside, put aside his dreams of being a professional golfer in order to focus on a business path, which Scott, good move because, you know, nothing wrong with people being professional golfers. I just don't see, you know, how that pays the bills. But hey, I mean, if you get huge, you know, endorsements, stuff like that. I don't know. Hello, fresh. Hello. Sponsor me, please. The couple ended up dating for two years and then they eventually moved in together. Mm -hmm. It is known that Scott, in fact, did have extra marital affairs before they were even married. But they never released any names or anything like that. They just knew he had multiple affairs. I mean, before he got married. But cheating is still cheating, you know. I'm sorry. Let me move real quick. After Lacey graduated, co- after Lacey graduated, the couple then got married in Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in St. Louis. Opsbo County's Alvid Valley on August 7th in 1997. So I was like a, I was almost two, I was almost a year old. Shout out to me. Then Lacey and Scott decided to open up a sports bar in the San Luis Opso area and they decided to call it the Shack. Business was initially slow at first but eventually improved, especially on weekends. You know, that's when they seem to get their most business. Kind of like how my podcasting is, you know. I don't really podcast a lot during the week because I work a full-time job, but I manage it. And then, you know, I do it on weekends because that's sometimes my only free time. So, here we go. Then, in 2000, they actually decided to sell the shack. And they moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. That is awesome and cute. In October 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom home. A, I'm sorry. They purchased a three, yeah, three-bedroom yeah, home, two-bathroom bungalow house for $177,000 on Kovna Avenue in an upscale neighborhood near East La Loma Park and I believe if I read that right like she was close maybe I'm getting my case wrong I thought she was close to her family like in that area or something but I could be wrong like I said Lacey you know she was a substitute teacher but she was part time a substitute teacher and then Scott actually got a job at Trade Corp USA, a newly founded um, European fertilizer company. In which Scott actually earned a salary of $5,000 a month before taxes. Which, you know, in that, like the early 2000s, I was little, so I don't know. But I obviously see it like being easier and. Not like how hard it is like now and stuff like that, you know? Lacey's family included her mother and her younger sister. Related. That she was a. Enthusi- she was very enthusiastic at being the perfect wife. And. She enjoyed cooking. And entertaining and. Everything and they were like, she just does everything over the top basically. The f- family eventually announced that in 2002 that they were pregnant, which everybody was super excited. They wanted this for Lacey and Scott. They were like, yeah, they're gonna be great parents. You know, they have a place, jobs, everything you could ask for. Eventually, they found out they were gonna have a baby boy. And the couple decided to name their son Connor, which I absolutely love. Hold on. Okay, I thought I heard something, I'm sorry. (laughs) Probably my upstairs neighbors, who's super loud. Um, jumping to November 2002 when Lacey was seven months pregnant Scott was actually introduced by a friend to a Fresno massage therapist and her name was Amber Frey and everybody knows who this person is so before like I want to go further Amber Frey is gonna come back in part two Um, she's actually gonna be one of the key players in this case And, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about the relationship. Please note that Scott did not tell Amber that he was married. In fact, he did tell Amber that he was single and stuff like that. And everything. And after, you know, he said all that, like he was single, that's when they romantically got involved. In prior to meeting Scott, she was actually a single mom to a little girl. Um, she eventually did come forward to police when everything comes out that she was romantically involved with Scott after she found out his wife was missing. I think she um, had a friend at, the pol- at in the police department. And she said, was like, hey, you know, I'm talking to this guy but, um, I just want you to run like a background check and stuff on him. And she was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Like, yeah. What's his name? So she was like, Scott Peterson, you know, she did that. And her friend called back was like, Hey, you clearly weren't watching the news and he's married. And they, she's like seven, seven and a half months pregnant, and she's missing, so you need to get your ass down to the police station and tell them everything you need to know. And she was like, well damn, I did not know that. But don't worry, like I said, we are definitely coming back to Amber, because like I, she is a huge key story in this thing that we are going to go into, deeper into part two. Now... Now that we've got Scott's background, we're going to actually hop back to Lacey and Scott. On December 23rd in 2002 at 5.45pm, Lacey and Scott had gone to her sister Amy's workplace called Salon Salon, which is just awesome. <laughs> Where Amy would cut Scott's hair every month, like she did. Um, and, you know, Amy, they were like, I guess they were just like chit-chatting while they were cutting Scott's hair. And Amy, you know, just asked Lacey, hey, do you mind if you pick up a fruit basket she'd ordered for a grandfather? And Lacey was like, yeah, I could totally do that. But then Scott actually jumped in and he was like, you know what, Lacey? Don't even worry about it because I'm going to play golf tomorrow. And I'm just going to be in that area anyway, so I can just, like, pick it up for you because you already have so much on your plate. Right? And Lacey was probably like, are you sure? You've never offered that before, but you know what? That's okay. That's perfectly fine with me. So she's like, sure, you can pick up the fruit basket, Scott. First off, I just want to know one thing. Who the fuck golfs on Christmas Eve? seriously does not does nobody else see anything wrong with that like why are you going golfing shouldn't you be spending time with family I mean that's what I would do but all right um I'm actually I'm actually gonna try to get my husband on the podcast because I was telling him a little bit about this story we have two different opinions like on it and everything he from what I've told him like he doesn't think Scott killed his wife like he's like no maybe he's innocent and I'm like um okay so I'm actually gonna try to get him on (sighs) I mean he's just not into true crime like I am like God love him because he's probably one of my biggest supporters ever like in my immediate family um one my kids are too young but my oldest will be like Mm -hmm. mommy what's your Mm -hmm. podcast about today and I'm like ah it's about a missing wife and he's like, Oh, okay. I don't really go into much detail with them, but my husband, he's probably just like, Heaven, shut the fuck up. I don't care. But then I'm like, Listen, I know true crime. So it's okay. But I'm gonna try to get him on. He was actually supposed to do research, but um he yeah. That was like two weeks that was like a week or two ago and he hasn't done anything, so no promises. He was okay with getting on the podcast, but he's like, let me do my own research so I can state my facts. And I'm like, okay. So I texted him the case, and I'm like, did you do your research? He's like, no. Yeah, you're too busy on TikTok, Austin. I feel you, cause I'm always on TikTok. But, like I said, he's just probably tired of hearing me about talking about my true crime. He's like, just shut up. <laughs> but, yeah, he doesn't think he did it. I... Like, and I can see where he stands, because, like, it's definitely, like, a hard case. And I'm like, okay, sure, I believe he did it, but he's, no. All Um, and also, like, when I said about the golfing, like, my husband, my husband said maybe he, maybe it was just, like, a normal thing that he always did. Um, for him just to go golfing or fishing, you know, he said probably just to stay out of his wife's way. He's like, cause you don't like to be bothered when you are cooking or cleaning. I'm like, that's cause you guys sometimes annoy, sometimes you annoy me, Austin. <laughs> no, I love my husband dearly, but sometimes God, <laughs> um, so he thinks he was just doing it to stay out of his wife's way. I'm like, no, that's still weird, but Hey, everybody can have their thing. Anyway, back to the story. So her mom, Sharon, actually spoke with Lacey on the telephone around 8.30 that evening. Apart from her husband, Scott, the last two people who were known to speak to her before Lacey actually disappeared were her half-sister, Amy, and her mom, Sharon. Scott later told police that he last saw his wife, Lacey, about 8.30... I'm sorry, not 8.30, 9.30 a.m., on December 24th uh, when he left okay so you remember how I said he was gonna go golfing he told them on December 24th he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Berkeley marina I think it's Ber- Barkley, Berkeley Berkeley uh, one of them keep in mind guys like I said he did tell a, p- a couple people he was gonna go golfing that day but he actually went fishing We don't know why he just switched plans, which don't get me wrong. You know, people switch plans all the time. I switch plans all the time, but it's just weird in this circumstance. Scott said Lacey actually was watching a cooking television show, which I believe Martha Stewart was on and she was doing a segment on how to do like the lemon meringue or just meringue, something like that. And then she said she was also preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and then walk the family dog to a nearby park. Okay, can we just take a minute, real quick, to notice how much Lacey is doing seven and a half months pregnant? When I was seven months pregnant, I didn't want to do shit, but I did it. I didn't do as much as Lacey over here did because she's superwoman, but I was not going, oh, yeah. You know, I'm gonna do XYZ. No, 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 no. Not for me. No, no. But Lacey, she's killing it. I'm telling you. Super woman. Later that day I'm sorry, not I mean, yeah, later that day, later that morning, a neighbor named Karen Servas had found the family dog a golden retriever who was named Mackenzie alone outside the home and she was just thinking that maybe she got out or something and she actually just returned Mackenzie back to the yard and she just went about her business probably because you know it's Christmas Eve and Karen over here probably has a lot of shit to do too so she's like you know what Lacey's probably busy they're probably you know prepping everything for you know Christmas tomorrow I'll just put the dog in the yard and leave it. Because they didn't live in a bad neighborhood. They lived in an upscale neighborhood in a good area. And, you know, they all probably knew each other, you know. So. Then, at 10.30 a.m., so. I don't think it was much later. When oh, uh, so at 10.30 a.m., is when Karen found Mackenzie. Okay. Then another neighbor. Like. Yeah. 15 minutes at 1045 AM. Saw the family dog Mackenzie. I'm assuming outside or something. Um, while he was playing catch with his dog. So he still saw the dog outside. And he was like, huh, that's weird. All right. Scott actually returned to the house later that afternoon to find the house empty. Mind you, on Scott's way home, um, I can read this like quote for quote because um, I found it. He actually left a voicemail to Lacey. Um, I'll read like a bit what I'm pretty sure said, but I couldn't find anywhere. He was like, hey, beautiful. I couldn't pick up the fruit basket for your grandfather So, do you mind picking it up? I know you have so much other shit to do, but I'm just letting you know. I told you I'd pick up the fruit basket. I didn't pick up the fruit basket. So, I'm going to need you to pick it up so he could have it for tomorrow. That's assume how, like, he... I mean, not in those words, quote by quote. I'm just foreshadowing here, but that's what I think. Like, he said he couldn't pick up the fruit basket, and I was just foreshadowing of, like, how I would say, think he... Was thinking it, but didn't say it. Okay, a little strange. Why are you going to say you're going to get the fruit basket and you're not going to go pick it up? Especially if you were close to that place, you had to go pick it up, Scott. Hmm? That makes no sense. Anywho. Scott told Lacey's mom, Sharon, that he'd found their dog, Mackenzie, in their backyard... When he returned home, even though she related it in her book, that he did, in fact, later deny this. Um, mm-hmm. no, Scott said, nope, not true, definitely did not say that. I didn't even know her mom wrote a book, but I'm about to go look at it on Amazon after I done make this podcast. Yeah, he, he was like, I didn't say that. So, he, I think he got home at, like, 2.15. So, the first neighbor, Karen, found the dog at 10.30. She was out there the whole time? That's a little strange, don't you think? So, if Lacey wasn't in the house, according to Scott, then why was her 1996 Land Rover Discovery SE in the driveway? She's seven and a half months pregnant. She's not gonna go that far. Because it's probably hard for her to walk far distances. And it's probably, actually not probably, it's dangerous. You can't walk that far when you're that far along. So after Scott came home, he noticed that she was missing. And he actually, you want to know what he did? He decided to wash every single piece of clothing he was wearing and eat cold pizza. That's what I do when I walk into my house and notice that my significant other is missing. I'm going to go. You know what? I was just out, but I'm gonna wash every single piece of clothing and I'm going to um, I'm gonna eat some food and not care about my significant other. Don't do that, guys. You come home and your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, grandma, auntie, uncle, and nurse live with you and they're gone. Call the police. Okay, Because, quote, he said his clothing was wet, which sounds sketchy to me. Even though his wife wasn't home, it's not like he cared because he was in no rush. The clothes, the food, I mean, come on, that's someone who does not care. Scott eventually called his mother-in-law asking if Lacey was actually at her home. And that wasn't around till five fifteen PM and she wasn't and she still wasn't there after he returned home from fishing. So Lacey's mother said, No, she's not here. So, you know, instead of Scott going, Okay, I'm gonna call the police and think logical, no, he decided to call Lacey's stepfather Ron Grantsky. And he asked if Lacey was there, which is weird because you would think Lacey's mom and stepdad would be in the same place since they're married. So it's kind of weird to call the same people because he's going to be like, probably thinking, no, Scott, you just called her mom. If she said Lacey's not here, why would you call me asking the same question when her mom just told you she was not here? Okay. And like I said, that is very strange to me. Ron actually was the one who called the police to report Lacey missing, not Scott. Huge red flag. Alright? Which, guys, come on. You get home, like I said, if you notice your spouse or family friend or relative is not there and they're staying with you and their car is there and everything else is there, just call 911. It's better to be safe than Sorry. Okay? And like I, like I said to Smith, I said, it's like fucking Chris Watts to an extent. Okay? These cases have things similar. So the police arrive at the Peterson home and they check around and they notice something oddly strange. Lacey's keys, wallet, and purse were actually in the closet of the house, meaning she didn't go anywhere because she didn't lock the house. So, yeah, Scott, what's going on? If she decided to leave right, then why wouldn't she take the things? Okay? Even if, you know, she decided to walk somewhere, she would still take her purse, her wallet, has her license, cards, and she would take her keys because, you know, to lock up the house, but hey... Obviously, he was like, No, we don't need to lock the house. I mean, come on now. So they were looking around and they noticed that the table was actually meticu- meticulously set for a family dinner, which was the following night because Lacey, they were hosting Christmas dinner at their house. So she laid out the silverware, the plates. The tablecloth. She had everything laid out, so it was done. She didn't have to do that to the next day. And like I said, you know, she was super busy, and she just probably wanted everything to be perfect. One of the detectives who was there noticed another strange thing um, to me. I'm not sure... Anyone else like who knows this case how they when the detective was like looking they found a phone book Okay, and the phone book on the kitchen counter was actually open to a full page for a an ad for a defense lawyer I mean, I'm not no rocket science guy, but you know, why would someone just have that random page? opened up to a defense lawyer that makes you look super suspicious super suspicious. That's just weird. Scott was actually reported to be completely calm. You know, just cool as a cucumber. Once again, I cannot help but notice the whole thing, like Chris Watts was when his wife was missing, minus his like rocking back and forth and stuff like that. But like he was just, and Chris, you know, when they went over to his neighbor's house to look at the surveillance, he was fucking tech texting nicole his mistress the whole time while the police them were looking at the footage he was sitting there on his phone fucking scott over here's yep yeah, okay she's messing. like cool as a cucumber i would be oh no and like i said guys these cases are similar in some ways to me i mean because we all know i'm obsessed with the chris watts case it's probably not good for my mental health but Oh, it just sucks with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Modesto police detectives John Bueller and Adam Brocchini. I think that's how he pronounces his last name, and that is such a cool last name, Brocchini. Love that. The lead investigators in the case questioned Scott that evening. Although Scott initially said he was going golfing, he then later told the police he actually had gone fishing. for surgeon on the Barkley Marina and like I said at two okay, so at two fifteen he left the message for Lacey and Scott stated that he went fishing ninety miles away from the couple's Modesto home. Detectives immediately launched a search, but they were surprised by Scott's behavior. Bueller told ABC News in twenty seventeen I suspected Scott when I first met him didn't mean didn't it didn't mean he did it but i was thrown off by his cool calm demeanor and his lack of questioning he wasn't will you call me back can i have your cards what are you guys going to do now he didn't say anything like that does it make him guilty to some probably but not to me i'm sorry Does it make him guilty to some? Probably not, but to me it does. If you weren't involved in your wife's disappearance, wouldn't you be asking questions about what they're going to do? You would, wouldn't you? Anyway guys, this is where we're actually going to stop for part one. Part two, we are going to be going through the rest of the case, and there is still a lot to unpack. I'm actually going to bring back Amber Frey and how she, more of her thing when she told the police. And how she, um, helped, like, how she talked to Scott, what Scott said to her, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. We're going to talk about his trial. We're going to be talking about his fucking appeals that we'll just get into it all, guys. And like I said, that will be up tomorrow because I'm not going to have my kids because they're going to be at their grandma's, which I'm excited about because I never get a break. So I just want a little break. And I'm going to sit on the couch and fold laundry and pack their bags. But guys, that is it for me tonight. Check me out on Instagram at justagrowntruecrime. Send me a Gmail if you want to hear any cases that you request at all lowercase, no spaces at justagrowntruecrime at gmail.com. You can even follow my Facebook group at the same thing as my email and Gmail. Yeah, email and Gmail. Same as my Gmail and Instagram. All lowercase no spaces. Just to grow in true crime. This weekend I want to upload, I want to start my YouTube. It's gonna be called True Cupcakes and True Crime, which is very exciting. But I hope you guys keep listening. Thank you for all the love and support. And I will be talking to you guys tomorrow. Bye!